Well, today is a special day because today we are going to see church government in action. That was a little fake, but I'll take it, okay? This is the day set aside by our Constitution and bylaws to be the day of the annual church business meeting. Some people have no interest in it whatsoever. Others are vitally interested. But allow me to simply say this. It is that, first of all, let me say this. I believe in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I said I believe in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think being a part of a local fellowship is extremely vital. I heard someone say it this way. Can you be a Christian and not go, go to church? Yeah, you can be a Christian and not go to church, but you can't be a growing Christian and not be part of a local fellowship in some way. So today is the day that uh, is our annual church business meeting, and I would say this. It's, it's very necessary, this business meeting is very a necessary component on many, many levels. It keeps us true to our constitutional structure. It keeps us properly aligned with our status as a nonprofit organization and our 501c3 positioning. This day also gives us the opportunity to carry on the business of the church in an appropriate and healthy way. And from a spiritual perspective, this is a day of looking back over the last year and recognizing what all the Lord has done in our fellowship in just 12 months. And it's a great opportunity to say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done. It's the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. And then there are some wonderful things to share with you tonight in part two of our meeting at 6 p.m. in the, in the youth hall uh, that about the future. And we're very excited to share that with you, and you need to be here. We are doing something different this year. I don't recall us doing it uh, like this in the past. The church board has opted to have us conduct part one of the meeting this morning at the close of this morning's service. Part one is the election of new board members to take the board positions that have been vacated by those who have fulfilled their three-year term and are rotating off the board. It's not all of the board. It's just uh, four of them are rotating off, and those positions will be elected upon this morning at the close of this service. How are we going to do that? We will do it very quickly and very efficiently in just a very few short minutes right before we close this service today. And the board, when we were discussing about taking this format to do this this way today, they particularly welcome and invite all of you who are not necessarily official members of Bethesda, we invite you to remain with us for those few extra minutes that it will take us to conduct this election because there's nothing hidden, there's nothing secretive, it's all out in the open, and even if you're new to the church or not yet a member, we welcome you to watch how we do this and the grace that God gives us to accomplish it. And then we will, uh, we will call for a recess until this evening evening at 6 p.m. we will reconvene. That's when we will hear the results of the election and then show you some exciting possibilities and hear some incredible reports. So that's how we're going to do it. And the church said, yeah. amen. The Lord is good, church. Let me read a verse to you this morning that's been something that I've needed and it's been a help to me. And I have a topic today. And I want to talk to you this morning about the need to lose weight. Ushers, lock the doors. Don't let anybody out. Because some of them are mad at me already. Wives, really, quit elbowing your husband and telling him that you're glad you brought him today. That's just not nice. Come on, don't do that, wives, to your husbands. Here's, um, here's what I'm praying for. 
I'm praying for you and me to lose weight before we walk out of this sanctuary this morning. How many of you would like that? Well, I've got a new diet to share with you this morning, whereby though you may have come in here heavy today, you're going to leave here lighter. Who's ready for that? Does it, do you have anyone in your life who it seems like no matter what they eat or how much they eat, they just don't gain weight? Okay, you don't have to point, just... How many of you have somebody like that in your life and you find it absolutely annoying? Come on, be honest with me here today. It's annoying, isn't it? How many of you feel like me that you could just look at food the wrong way and you're going to gain weight? Just, yeah, you know, that's, that's me. Well, I, I know the pr this problem is unique to me, but the reason I can't seem to lose weight, it, it's just my own unique problem. It's probably not yours, but the reason I can't lose weight is because I love all the wrong foods. I just don't understand if, if carbs are so bad for you, why do they taste so good? And why did God make them? There are few problems in my life that cannot be fixed by a bag of potato chips. That's just the truth. Preach it, Pastor Dan, preach it. When it comes to diet, have you observed that the first three letters of that word are di spelled die? That's because there's a lot of death to self. Am I right about it? Am I right? So we have the South Beach diet. We have Weight Watchers. And we have Jenny Craig. And we have the Atkins diet. And so many diets. But what I'm going to talk to you about is that there is some weight that is not coming off simply by changing your eating habits. By the way, I'm not disparaging the idea of dieting. I could stand it a little better myself, for surely I believe that our bodies are the temple of the Lord. So if you work for any of those organizations I just mentioned, I'm not talking about you. But there is a weight that absolutely needs to come off. And the Bible refers to it as the weight of anxiety. Say that with me. The weight. In fact, the Bible actually says that worry and anxiety can weigh you down. And that's regardless what, uh, what the condition of your body fat is. It doesn't matter where you are physically today. You can literally be carrying extra weight spiritually upon your heart this morning. In fact, Solomon says it this way, that when anxiety gets in the heart, you get heavier. If you're carrying anxiety today, you get heavier. Let me read to you the verse that speaks to this very matter. It's in Proverbs chapter 12. For Solomon gives us these words in verse 25. He says this, worry weighs a person down. Other versions say anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. But here's the antidote or, or here's the diet. But an encouraging word cheers a person up. Or in my terminology, a good word can take the weight off. For us old timers, uh, I'm the leader of the pack there in that. I think the King James Version has a certain feel to this verse that gives us even a more dramatic picture. And I want to share it with you because the King James says this in Proverbs 12, 25. Heaviness in the heart maketh it stoop or stoop over. The word stoop here, I, I uh, snooped around on this word here and I found out that it, here's what it means. It, it has such, it's something that is stooped over, it has such weight on it that it causes it to bow down. 
In fact, that word is, is even used, the same word is used as a worship word, to pay homage to, to make it crouch, to fall down, to literally pay reverence to. So what this is saying to us is that there can be so much worry and anxiety inside of you that it can literally take control of you. And you've got to obey that instead of listening to the Word of God and instead of listening to the voice of God. Because whatever is causing you to be stooped over and bowed down is taking control. Because whatever you worship is really what you give control to. Did you hear that? And Solomon is saying that anxiety literally seeks to take control of your day to take control of your thoughts, to take control of your emotions, and even to take control of your health. It pushes you down to, to, to bow, and it won't let you get up because it adds a heaviness, a weight to our hearts inside of us. In fact, the, the root of the word anxiety carries the word fear all throughout it. And that's what brings the heaviness and the bowing down. Jesus knew this. Because so often he would address this issue of fear. And I can uh, quickly recall three instances where he addressed fear. Because Jesus knew and understand, understood the weight that can be put upon the soul of man. The first one I can think of is the fear of tomorrow. The fear of tomorrow. The fear of what tomorrow could be. Or the fear of what tomorrow could hold. But here's what we need to know and to remember today, church. There is no need to fear tomorrow or the future because God is already there. He's already in the future. Nothing that's going to happen in your tomorrow is going to surprise him one bit. He's already there. And the comfort for us today is not only is he there, he has made provision and there's going to be grace for your tomorrow. Somebody ought to say hallelujah to that today. So don't fear tomorrow, because tomorrow has enough worry of its own, the Bible tells us. And that's why he is a very present help in the time of trouble. Jesus addressed the fear of tomorrow, but there's another one he addressed, and that is the, the fear of man. Some of us face that. Some of us are stooped over because of fear of tomorrow. Some are stooped over because of the fear of man. It's that intimidation that can come from a boss or a supervisor, or a professor, or, or an angry spouse, or an angry child. And Jesus was very sure to tell us this in Matthew 10. He says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, that's a pretty pointed and clear statement. Don't fear those who want to kill your body. Those, don't fear those who are just simply trying to intimidate you, make your life here on earth a living hell. And we all have those people, don't we? Don't fear those people. They cannot touch your soul. Conversely, we should fear only God who can destroy both the body and soul in hell. And what we need to understand is that when you fear man, you have lost the fear of God. And the third fear... Jesus talked about was the fear of death. <laughs> and not to worry about what death can bring because of this reason. The keys of death have been snatched 
And Jesus, through the resurrection, overcame death. Hallelujah. And so death and hell, let's remember it today, death and hell are in the control of Jesus. Not in the control of the devil, not in control of ISIS, not in control of anybody else. Death is in the control of Jesus, and he is the one and the only one who determines the day of your death. In fact, the day of your birth and the day of your death was ordained and designed by God himself. He's the one who is in control of that. That's why I love what the great 18th century evangelist George Whitfield said when he said this. He said, I am immortal until God calls me home. Which means you cannot predict, you can't predict when I'm going to die. Jesus is the only one who can determine that. He's the one who appoints to every man the time of death, according to Hebrews chapter 9. And Solomon says to us that no matter what anxiety or underlining fear is there that is trying to weigh you down or cause you to be stooped over, there is an antidote, Solomon says. There is a diet that can cause you to lose that weight that has you bowed down and stooped over, that weight that you carry due to the fear and the anxiety of your soul. And he gives it to us in our text from Proverbs 12, 25, the last half when he says, but a good word will make it glad. An encouraging word will cheer a person up. That where the heaviness has taken over, that made you stoop and bow down. When a good word is given to that person's soul, it relieves that heaviness. So often, when I am praying for someone, you may have even heard me, I may have done this some in the service on Sunday night, someone who seemingly has just taken blow after blow after blow, and, and, and you, it may be you, it may be someone that you know, some people it's just like they haven't even gotten their balance from the last hit that they took, and then here comes another situation, another circumstance, and we all go, oh my goodness, Lord Jesus, how much can they withstand? And sometimes the only prayer that I can pray and what I think is about the best thing I can pray at that moment is to say something like this. God, give them a word of encouragement today. Just give them a word. How many would like a word of encouragement today? Let them experience some good news. All the news they've heard over the last period of time has been bad news. Let them experience some good news. Let a good thing happen to them today. The reason I pray that is because I know exactly just like you, I know exactly what it is to be weighed down with so much discouragement and despair. There's a lot of days that I would give anything for just a little piece of good news. And I know that's the same for you. So where does this good news come from? Where, where does the encouragement come from? Well, it doesn't have to come from a preacher or a pulpit or a microphone. Because here's the truth. And I think most of us know this. I'm just reminding you of this today. You are the ones to give good words to each other. Thank you. You are the ones to give good words to each other. It may be a, a, a passing word in the lobby. It may be an encouraging word in the parking lot. It may be someone that you see at Starbucks or wherever it is that, that you frequent, that you just give a good word to. Just give someone a good word because you will never, ever know how much weight you have lifted off of that person. And this is exactly why gossip and criticism and slander 
it adds no value to anybody's life. They didn't hear that, Dan. That's why gossip, criticism, or slander adds no value to anybody's life. In fact, when you do that, when you engage in gossip and criticism and speaking ill of someone else, you are literally taking from them. You are biting a chunk out of their soul when you do that. But a good word can make a heart glad. A good word that you would give right now today can make a heart glad before you leave this place today. A good word can give somebody a second wind and help prevent them from being literally broken by that thing which has them weighed down. I heard of a story that took place not long ago in Vancouver during the winter. Two men were out on a large a vessel, a fishing boat. It was, it was their, their business. I don't have all of the details, but I have enough of the story that it makes a wonderful point here for me today. And suddenly, the boat they were in began to sink, leaving the two men in icy waters on a life raft. But here's the problem. The life raft was connected or tethered to the sinking boat. So now they're in a life raft. Because if they go into the freezing water, they're going to die. But they're also going to die because the life raft is connected to the sinking vessel. They have no knife, no equipment, nothing there to help them untether themselves from the larger vessel which is on its way down. So now they're faced with, uh, now what do we do? What do we do? Their life raft is about to be taken underwater and they know when that happens that their time is limited and they will freeze to death until one of them has an idea. And he decided this. He said, let's chew this rope off. Chew it off. And literally, for one hour, the story that I read says this. They took turns chewing this giant rope to untether it from the bigger vessel. Listen, friends, when you're desperate, you'll do anything. And who knows what word of encouragement that you could give someone today would help them untether from that boat that's about to go under. You may be the one to say, come on, come on, let's chew this thing off together. Because if you stay connected to this, you're going under. We've got to get you disconnected from the very thing that is holding you captive. And I just would give you this word of advice. Be sure your friends have good teeth. Because if you remain captive to that thing, you're going under. It's going to take you down. But today we're going to believe that the rope is going to be broken and the chain is going to be broken and we're going to walk out of this place lighter than when we came in. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Worry, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. But a good word, Solomon says, can make it glad. You might be encountering someone who's weighed down with finances. Well, there's a good way to handle this and a not so good way to handle it. Let me tell you what you don't do. Don't say stuff to them like, oh, man, you think you're relating to it. Man, I know. I was in that shape, and it's bad. It's, it's really bad. I don't know what you're going to do. You're really in trouble. Instead, why don't you talk to them about Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides? Why don't you remind them that there's power when you give to God? Don't, ne don't, don't neglect giving to the Lord because He's the one who is able to give back. Press down, shaking together, shaking together and running over. Speak a good word to that friend who's struggling with their finances. Maybe someone you know is weighed down with death 
and a diagnosis of some kind, then I want you to remind them that death does not have the final word. Jesus has the final word. You can speak that word of hope. You can speak that word of encouragement to someone, and you never know what you have lifted off of them before they become completely broken by being stooped over with the heaviness that they're carrying. Jesus has the final word. So why don't you talk to them about Jehovah Rapha, the God who can heal them. Don't tell them all about your surgeries. That doesn't help. You may want to talk about it, but that doesn't help them. Tell them that by his stripes, they are healed in the name of Jesus. Give them an encouraging word. Speak a word of faith to encourage them. You know what? i got to be honest with you. Sometimes I say, does anybody have a word of faith today? And I'm talking about extreme faith movements that have taken. No, no, no. Who's, who can talk in tones of faith? What God can do. There are plenty of people who can tell you what can't happen. Plenty of people who can give you discouragement. Who can speak a word today of faith, lifting us up, making us aware that we serve a God who can do absolutely anything? Maybe your friend is weighed down with a son or a daughter who's taken away, who's, walking away, who's walked away from the Lord. Okay, if that's the case, then talk to them about prodigals. Talk to them about, them about testimonies of those whose hearts were hardened, but somehow they, they received the gospel message. Somehow God did something that seemed so impossible. He walked into a room. He showed up in a room that nobody thought he could get in, and he softened their heart, and now they're back to God. Give them that word. And if you run into someone who's weighed down with the future, let them know that tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Focus on today. It's the enemy that wants you to be a tomorrow person. It's Jesus that wants you to be a today person. And trust him for what's happening in your life right now. What God is doing right now in your life. Whatever it takes, cut that rope if you have to chew it with them on yourself and then send them on their way rejoicing in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody put your hands together and say, God's good. Because I need to take a breath, that's why. Not all weight comes off easily. Have you noticed that? And the older you get, yep, that's true, the harder. The antidote, that good word, has to be spoken. And it's up to us, the church. Uh, quick sidebar here. Dan's conversation with the Lord this week. Lord, we're going to have a business meeting on Sunday. And you know what? I'm excited about it because I believe in the church. I so believe. And, and I'm going to be honest enough to say that we are, we are conducting church today in, a, in an atmosphere, in a culture that tends to want to swim the other direction. Let me just, uh, I'll come once a month, I'll come once every six weeks, and that's going to be good. You know, man, that's good for me. No, you need to be a faithful, regular, participating, serving, giving, worshiping part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the weakest amen I've heard all morning. Come on, you got something better than that. Thank you. That good word has got to be spoken. And it happens in the church of the Lord Jesus. It happens where you're sitting right here this morning, wherever you are. And here you sit today, I just say it boldly to you like this, with the ability in your mouth to send someone out of here today much lighter than they came in. There's a place in Sydney, Australia that's called The Gap. And it's not where they take their teenagers to buy clothes. It's literally 
the suicide capital of Sydney, Australia, if you have the photo, where hundreds of people go to this rocky cliff called the Gap, and they jump off by the dozens and dozens. It's a place where many decide to end it all and to jump off this crevice. When you read the story of Don and Moya Ritchie, who lived on the Gap, you discover that they bought a home there because it had an amazing view. It looked something like this. What an amazing view. This 80-year-old couple, married for 58 years, never thought that the view that they had that was so spectacular, not only of the beautiful rocky cliffs and the waters of Sydney, but it would also be the view of people that they would see over decades that would stand on the cliff ready to jump. They came to understand that their home was purposefully positioned right there. And this elderly man, Don Ritchie, who's battling cancer himself, has his own issues, has his own problems. He said this, every time I watch, some, watch someone through our living room window getting a little too close to the precipice, he said, we get up, my wife and I, we get up and get out of our house, we walk to that place where they are about to jump off and we say the same thing to each one. Hello, come and have some tea with us. Let's talk this over and let us remind you before you jump that life is worth living. And here's what the record says. If you don't believe me, you can check it out. Not now, later. You can check it out. You can Wikipedia this whole thing. They said that over the years, that couple have averted over 160 suicides just by giving someone a good word. And when you look at it further, their family says it's more like 500 that they have averted. You know, church, the Bible tells us in chapter 14 of Proverbs that laughter can conceal a heavy heart. But when the laughter ends, the grief remains. Laughter can conceal or hide a heavy heart. But when the laughter ends, the grief remains. And here's the reality. You may be sitting next to someone who is laughing. You may be with someone at lunch today who is laughing and all seems to be well. But the truth is, they may be inwardly standing on a precipice of some kind as they get ready to walk out of the doors this morning, and they need a good word. Maybe you've not even had the opportunity yet to even notice those sitting next to you in your area. Maybe they just need something like this. Hey, God loves you today. Hey, don't forget, God is able. Whatever it is, He's able. Don't leave God out of your equation, whatever you do. But it's so much easier to be silent, isn't it? So much easier to be consumed with our own problems and our own issues that are sitting right here, right here in front of us. We're consumed with that. And Mr. Ritchie, instead of being consumed with his own cancer, would still go and rescue people from their precipice, who were probably in better physical condition than he was. And that's why the Bible reminds us through Solomon that life and death are in the power of the, the tongue. And your words of encouragement could make all the difference, maybe even keeping someone from ending it all. When you look at someone, listen to me, instead of resenting them for being in your way, instead of being inwardly critical of the way they look, or maybe the way they're acting, maybe they have some reason that causes their behavior to be a little different than everybody else, and, and you're looking at them and resenting the way they are. Why don't we condition ourselves to have the thought, how can I lift the weight off of that person today? How can I speak a word of life? 
And it doesn't have to start with, thus saith the Lord. You don't have to speak in King James. Just a simple word of encouragement. Just a kind word. Not pretentious. Just real. Just a life-giving word from human to human. A life-giving word. And it will help to pull some of the weight off someone who's bowed down and stooped over. Occasionally, one of the pastors on staff will step into my office and just give a kind word of encouragement. And they have no idea how I can literally feel my heart lighten. Because we all need that. What if, what if you knew that your word could literally rescue someone here this morning? Rescue someone. Would you give it? If you knew that it's entirely... How many opportunities have we missed by not giving just a simple word of encouragement? You want to know why I'm preaching this message today? Because I know what it is to battle the weight that caused you to be stooped over. I've had about three weeks personally of just a heavy-heartedness that I can't even explain. You wake up with it in the morning. You can't shake it during the day. You take it to bed with you at night. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just, you know, and I had two friends call me yesterday. Both of them talked about 45 minutes, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And I'm going to tell you, I was astonished at how much lighter I felt after talking with each of them, with both of them. I was able to laugh with them because they are friends of many, many years, and we've had funny experiences and funny things that have happened. I was able to laugh with them. I was able to share with them, and they shared with me. So I just encourage you today. I, I, I can't tell you how much this is resonating in my heart. Pick up the phone this afternoon and call someone. Pick up the phone. Silence doesn't help anybody. Pick up the phone. Call a friend today. See how they're doing. Pray with them. Lift the weight off of somebody else. But you might say to me, but pastor, I'm the one in need. Somebody needs to be calling me. Perfect. Really, that, that, that's fine. That's a perfect circumstance. Do it. Pick up the phone today and do it out of your own sense of need. Do it to lift up someone else. And it will surprise you what the Lord will do with that act of faith. It was a few weeks ago, maybe, maybe months now, you know, we lose track of time. But I woke up at 3.30 in the morning. I just could not sleep. That, thankfully, that's unusual for me. I, I just couldn't sleep after 3.30. I got up, went to my office at home. I set up the computer. And within just a minute, immediately, the Lord put on my heart a pastor friend of mine from New York. And I began to pray for him. And so he remained on my heart. I wasn't going to contact him then. But a few hours later, maybe about seven-ish, I sent him a text just to let him know I was praying for him. And the way he tells the story is that he was taking a train, a subway, into the office. And it was difficult and challenging because the normal train wasn't coming for some reason, so he had to take another train and then another train and to get there. But as soon as he walked up the stairs from the, the subway and he, he got the signal on his phone, it went ding, and there was my message to him. And all I said was this. It was really nothing big. I just said, I don't know what you're going through, but the Lord woke me up at 3.30 this morning just to pray for you. And I said, it, you know, it seems to me that maybe something is amiss inside your soul. That's the way he tells it that I said. I told him, I remember saying this. I'm not trying to be weird. I mean, I, that comes naturally for me anyway, but I'm not, I'm not trying to be weird. All I want you to know is that you're being covered 
in prayer. And my friend, you're going to make it. So don't abort. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit because God's hand is on you. The statistic is out there that 1,500 pastors per month quit the ministry. That's 50 a day in this country. Now I'm told the number's probably higher than that. And I didn't know, I, I had no idea what was in his mind. I had no idea. You know, we don't talk often, see him occasionally. We communicate other ways, other ways occasionally. But I just said, you know, you're going to make it. Don't abort. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. God's hand is on you. And here's what I learned later, that the night before, he sat on his back porch and he simply was saying to God, God, do you even hear me? Do you even know, do you even know what I'm going through? He said, like the disciples in the boat, he said to the Lord, carest thou not that I perish? And he said, he said then Dan, the next morning, had all that difficulty with the switching around trains and Walked up the stairs from the subway and my phone goes off and there's the text letting me know that in the night, that night, a prayer had gone up for me to the throne of God from Texas. And we all know Texas prayers are better than all the others, right? It's the biggest response I've gotten all morning. And then he said, when I was saying all those things to God the night before, I never heard any response from God at all, he said. But he said, <laughs> when the next morning he looked at that text, he said, Dan, the Lord spoke to him and said, how about that? <laughs> and God may be saying to you this morning, dear one, yes, I hear you. And I can put you on someone's heart in a moment. And in fact, it might even be in the middle of the night. And in fact, it might even be in a state or a country far, far away because our God is not limited by time or space. Listen to me. Every one of us are capable of giving someone a good word this morning. You don't have to have a title of deacon. You don't have to have a title of pastor. You don't have to have a title at all. But if you love Jesus this morning, before someone leaves this place, you can simply say to them, you know what, brother? God loves you so much, and he's got his eye on you today. He's not forgotten you. He's got his eye on And you have no idea what that could mean to someone who inwardly, they might look good on the outside, but inwardly, they are stooped over. And yes, you may be in as bad or worse a condition as they, but that doesn't matter. Speak a good word today. Have you ever come to the point where you were so stooped over that you didn't even feel worthy to go into God's presence? You don't have to answer that. You didn't want to come to church. Didn't want to face anybody. It was just junk in your soul. Just so aware of the junk in your soul. You might have even said, why would God even want me in his presence, you might say. Well, when Nehemiah was going to be released to do his incredible work and build a wall, it all started like this. He walked into the presence of the king and the Bible says... Nehemiah was sad. And the king looked at him in Nehemiah 2.2, and he said, Why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And here's what you need to understand. To be sad in the presence of a king at that time was punishable by death. 
Kings didn't want Kings would, he didn't want anybody to be sad in their presence. In fact, they would even take fake happiness. They didn't want you in their presence if you were not joyful. That's why they had court jesters. But you could never walk into the king's presence with sadness. And then the Bible says this. Once the king called him out and said, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You, you must be deeply troubled. The Bible says Nehemiah was terrified is the word that it used, because he knew it was a capital offense. Well, I want to give you a good word this morning before we go in another direction here in the service. And this word has been an encouragement to me personally, because I know what it is to have heaviness of soul. I know what it is to question if God even hears me. I know what it is to question if He even knows I'm here. Maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, here's your word. David said this in Psalm 73. And here's what I'm going to ask you. I want no one leaving the service, but I want, you to act, I want you to stand as I give you this good word. Everyone standing, please. Please keep in mind our text. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. It means fear, worry weighs you down. It makes you heavier than you're supposed to be. But an encouraging word cheers a person up. It takes that weight off. And here's what David said in Psalm 73. He says this, when my heart was embittered, that means something soured him. When my heart was embittered, his heart was soured, and I was pierced within. Something cut him or pierced him like a knife. He goes on the next verse that says, here was the result of that. Then I was senseless and ignorant. And he takes it even further. He says, God, I was like a beast before you. Here was David's condition. Something had soured him and it started slicing away at his heart. And then he says, I became senseless and stupid, acting like an animal, acting like a, a beast before you. I was acting on instinct rather than acting going by, led by the Spirit of God. And then in verse 23, the good word came. He says, nevertheless, I am, nevertheless, I am continually with you because you have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me, and afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, but God, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Oh, take that in today. God takes you, listen to me, God takes you just as you are, embittered, soured, pierced, senseless, ignorant, acting like a beast. Anybody in this room ever been embittered and sour? Raise your hand. Anybody here ever been pierced in your heart? Raise your hand. Anyone here ever act senseless and stupid? Raise your hand. Anybody here ever have that beast come out in you? Raise your hand. Ask your wife. But God says this, even though that's your condition, that was David's condition, even though all of that could be said to be true about you, he says, nevertheless, I am with you. Give me your right hand. 
I will counsel you, God says, and I will guide you all the way to glory. For God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Hallelujah. Church, it's time to lose weight. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful, so thankful that you have paid the price for us. You carry our burdens. You carry us, oh God, even when we can't carry ourselves. I'm just asking in this house today that you will lift the burdens of people who are stooped over, who are bowed down, that are almost at the breaking point. And Lord, let them get some good news today. Let them receive an encouraging word today. Let their hearts be lightened today. Speak a life-giving word to them. Use your people to speak to someone else to give a life-giving word. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said.